This is Cheryl Stabler. Welcome to season two of the Unshakable Woman podcast. We publish this podcast each Monday at 5.30 a.m. from Los Angeles and 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our mission is to profile women who have conquered tremendous tests in life, encourage women to reach for the stars, and remind our listeners that we are part of one big family called Sisterhood. The women interviewed on this podcast share their stories and encourage women on their purpose-driven journeys. You can also hear the podcast on the Uncommon Gospel Radio Show on TuneIn Radio at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time each Saturday. Join us this year on our new live Facebook collaboration with Uncommon Gospel. Each Wednesday, we speak live to women who are featured on the current podcast. Connect with us for 15 to 30 minutes each morning and subscribe to the podcast for alerts to new shows. Share the link and follow our team at Unshakable Woman on Instagram and Facebook. We all have a story. Join us soon and hashtag tell your story. Thank you for tuning into the Unshakable Woman podcast. Please stand by for our guest. Good morning and welcome back to the Unshakable Woman podcast. Today marks our very first podcast of the new year. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year 2021. Today, we have an amazing woman to start off our podcast this year. Welcome to the show, Pastor Deborah Stallworth, and some people call her Lady. Welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? Doing great, doing great. Oh, I am so, so excited that you joined us today because you are a close personal friend of mine. And I just want everyone to hear whatever stories that you have inside of you. But let's let's dive in first with how was your new year? Um, so far, my new year is just great. It is wonderful. I am so, so excited uh, about life. And so happy new year. <laughs> happy new year to you. Well, I generally like to start off the show talking about sisterhood and we'll, we'll dive into that again this week on our live show. But this is a podcast that encourages and motivates unshakable women. More importantly, that creates a, a platform for women to come together in sisterhood. What is your take on sisterhood, Pastor? Well, sisterhood for me is um, we have to be helpers one to another. Um, we need each other. Um, mm -hmm. uh, some of us don't always um, get along with, with women, but I found out you need women in your life, great friends, just women, period, that we can learn from, um, that can be inspiring, um, uh, to get advice, um, just seeing what your other sisters are going through. Because sometimes as women, we hold so much in and we think we're the only ones going through something. So right. to me, sisterhood is important to have a confidant, 
uh, or, or just have a, a friend girl uh, setting that you can just have someone to talk to, someone that got your back. So I love that. The, the more, the better. I love that. <laughs> well, and in my, my case, I prefer to keep my tribe a little small, but <laughs> sisterhood is important uh, for every unshakable woman to get through life. So let's dig into what makes Pastor Deborah Stallworth unshakable. What story would you share with listeners here that is your testimony that can help someone else who is listening today? You know, um, when you get to 50 years of age and you think back over your life, mm -hmm. um, trying to figure out what has, has got you to this far, I know um, it was nothing but God. Um, and mm -hmm. I know everyone have a story and I do pray that my story encourages and help uh, anyone that's out there listening. Um, mm -hmm. If I had to um, just begin to share about my life, I would start out at about eight years old, uh, around the third grade. And, mm -hmm. and that's the moment. I remember the moment when my life changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. Everything I thought was fine as an eight-year-old and and, you know, living at home with my mother, my brother and my sister. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, some family members came and and took my mom away. And I had to go live with um, some family members. And and as a child, you really don't understand or know what was going on. But that was very significant because they took my mom away and put her in the hospital. So later mm -hmm. on, I found out that they took her and put her in a mental um, hospital. And wow. so from roughly around the age of eight until 15, I had learned how to live life with a mom who dealt severely with mental illness. And my mom was uh, diagnosed uh, with bipolar and schizophrenia and mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I don't know, it was, it was just very difficult. It's, it's very difficult. And I would say to anyone that has a, a mom or a parent uh, or just a loved one who's dealing with, you know, bipolar or schizophrenia, um, you're not alone. I've, I've gone through that. I lived that life as a child mm -hmm. and into uh, my adult life. And and that's what, that's what you're learning. You're learning um, from your parents, right? So my, right. my father, my father was uh, around, but he was married to someone else. And so, mm -hmm. you know, he, he, my father was there financially, he supported and I visit my dad, but he wasn't there on a daily. And so uh, trying to um, understand life a as a kid with your mom being severely mentally ill was was the biggest, I think, a struggle uh, in all of my in all of my life. And I, I, I'm still still very, very grateful and thankful to have a mom. Don't get me wrong. I love my mom. Mm -hmm. I well, 
I love her. I appreciate her um, for, for life and, and what she was able to do for me up until around eight years old. And so everything she did for me between birth and eight years old has been everything I need to survive in life. And mm. I didn't realize that until almost 40, uh, 45 years old. Wow. And so um, growing up with a mom and, and some people may not understand what that looks like. It, it looks like having a mom that, that don't necessarily don't hug you, don't show any um, mother affection, um, uh, standing outside talking to herself or, or uh, just getting on the bus um, without paying, making scenes everywhere, the whole neighborhood um, know that that's, that's the crazy lady pretty much. Um, when I was about 14 years old, mm -hmm. I was living in the house and in, in LA and the lights were off, the gas was off, the water was off. And my mm -hmm. mom, I don't know where she was, but I was living in that house and by myself, my sister and my brother found somewhere to, to live. And I was just staying in this house completely alone um, as a 14 year old and um, I reached out to my dad and and he just so happened to come and, and visit me and and he wasn't in a position for me to to live with him and he suggested that I live with some of my family members now I love my dad he is he's my biggest supporter he's always been there but you just oftentimes you don't know what someone else is going through Right. at that time. Right. And so he couldn't give me what I needed at that time. So I, I did, I went, I had to make a choice and I went and lived with some family members and I, I love my family, but that didn't work out. So at the age of 15 years old, I found myself living without a mother, a father, or any parents. I, I, I moved in with a boyfriend and life again, it changed dramatically. I had no idea that um, I was getting ready to go into a, a severely abusive relationship. And without having the family or your mom or your dad or, or anyone there, um, I, I was just, I was just locked in. Uh, it was such an artificial love. You don't understand it. Um, everything was great. It wasn't any abuse before then. Actually, I, I met my boyfriend at a very young age at the time. I was about 12 years old. And, mm -hmm. and this is what happens when you don't have, uh, pretty much parental guidance, you know, mm -hmm. my mom is out there. So, you know, I could just run the neighborhood. I could do whatever I wanted to do. I could go to school if I wanted to go. If I didn't want to go, it didn't matter what nobody going to make me. There was no teaching, you know, how to clean up or how to cook or uh, 
anything that you would just learn. I was pretty much just out there for several years between the age of eight and 14, just whatever I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I saw a lot in the streets, in the neighborhood, um, in the gangs and, and, you know, meeting, meeting my boyfriend who was a, a few years, several years older than me. And so I was very vulnerable and, and everything was great up until the moment I, I moved in, in with him, things just all of a sudden changed. And I remember the first time, um, he, he, uh, he hit me and I, you know, I just, I just couldn't believe it. You just do not believe that you're going to be in a, a physical or abusive relationship at all with someone at this point I had been with for, you know, I was a teenager, but I had been with for uh, several years. Right. And, um, you know, it was tough. I stayed in school and, and I stayed in school and I, I would go to school and and it was very difficult. I, re- I recall being in the, the 10th grade and, and and going to school, catching a bus. It's not like how it is nowadays. You you walked, you caught the bus. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't pretty much have much of a choice at that point. But, you know, I remember walking and going to the bus stop and and um looking and and seeing all of this stuff all of this stuff like all over the ground and i looked at that stuff it was like a basket and you know just just different paraphernalia and i looked and i said wow that's my mom's stuff because not only did my mom have mental illness, she ended up pretty much being like the bag lady on the street, you know, um, the, the, that's pushing a basket or sleeping out there on the street. And, and that was very, very difficult. I was, I was extremely worried. I couldn't go to school, didn't know mm. what had happened, trying to figure out, wait a minute, what happened to my mom? Um, just several situations in, in dealing with that. And so I'm, I'm dealing with the fact that I have to see my mom living mm-hmm. out on the street and, and people attacking her, uh, mm-hmm. being cruel to her, um, you know, wondering if she's safe and or not. And I, as a teenager, couldn't do anything to help her. In fact, you know, now I'm stuck in this abusive relationship. I call myself in love. I thought I was in love. And, and, and trying to go to school. I remember I was about 16 years old and getting off the bus stop, getting off the bus and at the bus stop. And there was my mom sitting at the bus stop, um, looking very uh, like a person with mental illness, like very much like a homeless person or bag lady, um, mm-hmm. if you know what that looks like um, yes, in LA. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And getting off the bus, and I have, you know, all this jewelry and nails done and hair done and and, you know, all fixed up. And I get off the bus and I'm like, mom, hey, mom, 
and she has her cup out, um, you know, how they will hold out like a cup, you know, for someone to, you know, help them and give them some money or what have you. And I walked up and, and I, I put $5 in her cup and I just sat there and talked with her because that was my mother. Right. That right. was my mom. And I, I just remember people looking, you know, very curious and, and puzzled. Like, why is this, this girl that's all dolled up, all fixed up or fly as we used to call it, mm-hmm. um, you know, sitting on the bus stop talking to this, this bag lady, um, this homeless lady. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, that was my mom and, um, you know, moving, you know, forward, fast forward, I became a, a, a teen mom. I had my first child at 17 was in this abusive relationship still, which ended up lasting about 16 years. And no one really knew it. Uh, mm-hmm. You learn how, how to hide it. One of my, uh, uh, good, good friends. I, I love her dearly. Um, I went to, I would go to high school and, you know, I was going to school and sometime I wouldn't show up to school and she would say, um, you know, you need a ride home or do you need a ride to school? Cause you know, she had a car and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And, and I would say, no, no, I'm fine. I'm good. And, and, or sometime I just wouldn't show up and then, um, you know, then I would. And I remember showing up to school and, and she said, uh-uh, what is going on? Something is not right. Because mm. I hid the fact that I was living in a motel with my boyfriend from 15 to uh, 17 years old. Wow. And so, you know, you, you're, you're, you're trying to act like life is so normal when your life is really jacked up. Yes. You learn how to hide. Uh, so much and uh, that particular friend is still my good friend and I love her to this day because she did not give up on me she did not give up on me she's like I don't care what it is I need to know and that friend oh tears is starting to you know to to fall because this is about sisterhood that friend said, uh-uh, I will pick you up to go to school. Um, I'll drop you off. I'll do it, but you have to go to school. I don't care what you're going through. I'm your friend and I'm going to be your friend regardless. And um, she had no idea what that means to me to this day, that mm. because of that sisterhood, because, and you know, we're, we're like, 16 years old I was in 11th grade at at this time so I'm like you know 16 years old and and she did that for me and and you know we're talking about sisterhood and and so then you know moving Mm -hmm. forward I I had uh you know some great friends and one of my really really good friends we're still friends to this day been friends since the third grade and Mm -hmm. And my my boyfriend didn't like her. And to have a friend that said, I'm not leaving you. I don't care if I have to sneak to be your friend. I'm going to be your friend. 
because if he found out I was talking to her, you know, that was a, a fight. That was a beat down. That was, you know, I knew I was going to have to be punching and, and scrapping and fighting and, tan- you know, trying to protect myself just from talking to a friend. But that friend said, I don't care that he don't like me. I am not leaving you. If I have to sneak and talk mm-hmm. to her, talk to you on the phone, that's what I would do. So, you know, we'd be on the phone and I hear a car and I'm like, go, there he go. Yeah, I gotta go, gotta go. And I would hang up. You know, when you go back and you look at how life, you know, happened in your early, early years, you think you have just been dealt such a terrible uh, hand, a very, very bad hand. And while in that abusive relationship, he would not allow me to, to go anywhere or have any friends or do anything. And so things like living in LA and simple things like going to the beach or going to a concert or going to the skating ring or hanging out with friends, uh, anything like that, I could not do it. He would not allow me to, Um, or that was just a fight. So a Mm -hmm. lot of my, my, um, you know, from the age of pretty much 15 until 28, uh, you know, I can't call them my lost years. I will call them my growing years. Those are years that I grew Amen. as a person, as a fighter, Amen. as a winner, mm. um, to keep my mind, um, to, to learn how to live uh, a productive life in spite of what Mm. I was going through. Mm. Um, But part of that was learning how to uh, survive the depression because it, it, all of that, that was going on, you know, now being the team mom at this point, I had, to uh, two children, my first one at 17, my second one at 20, being in this abusive relationship and, 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 and really secluded from my family and my friends. And mm-hmm. so the people that did know me, because yeah, I did work. I did go to church because those were the only two things that he would allow me to do. And so this this depression had come over me and mm. I learned how to be a functional depressed person. And so I would put on a smile and I would be all what I needed to be at work. Right. Right. Um, I would be all what I needed to be, you know, around my family. I would be all what I needed to be around the church people. But mm. the minute I got to myself, the depression would just hit me mm. so strong because you, you know, just trying to figure out how could I, how did I get here? Why did this happen to me? You know, without going into all the different details, but it, it would, it was just traumatic. It was just so tough because I didn't look like what I was going through. So at what and point, when, at what point did, did that shift happen for you? where 
what was brought you to where you are today? The shift happened when at the age of uh, 28, mm-hmm. at the age of 28, I got into a lot of trouble because I couldn't take another fight, another beating. And I got into a lot of a lot of trouble and I realized that I have to get out of this. Mm. In um, January, uh, January 1999, God delivered me out of that relationship. And mm. from there, moving forward, I felt like I could make it. Mm. How did I get to this? How did I get to this point? Um, I just totally surrendered to God. Um, I've always had a relationship with him, a very strong relationship with him. He's the one that brought me out. And um, I would say to anyone that is going through, I was in that relationship for 16 years and that was a long time. Right. But God carried me through it. He was he was with me all the way. And when he completely delivered me out of that relationship, I finally was free. And I began to just really serve God with my whole heart, um, with everything, just, just dedicate my life to the Lord. Um, you know, and then I end up, you know, meeting my husband who was a pastor, got married. And in 2000, it was quick. I got married in 2000 and my Mm -hmm. life just changed from there. That's just the second half of my journey. Right. Um, I had no idea that when I got married at the age of 30, my husband was uh, around 32. I had no idea that within um, 10 years, he was going to have a major heart attack and you know, for the last 10 years, I would be his caregiver. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you some of this stuff, you're like, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I didn't. But, but God <laughs> said you can handle it because you're on, there is your unshakable testimony. <laughs> that, he, God knows, right? And God so knows. God knows. But when I got married and married a pastor, it was the greatest day of my life. Uh, I'm so thankful because everything that I have gone through in ministry is just recognizable. I can see my sisters that are hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see them broken. I can see where they're in an abusive relationship. I can see when they have depression on them. I can mm-hmm. see when they have low self-esteem. I can see, I can, I see it all because mm-hmm. I've gone through it. And so right. everything that I have gone through allowed me to be able to minister and encourage and help so, so many women and, and the women is, is my passion. And so I'm thankful for that. I love that. Well, that, that brings us to where we are today. So can you share with the ladies who are listening um, a little bit of what you're doing today, your ministry with women, your church ministry, and where people can follow you on social media and learn all about Pastor Deborah Stallworth. Okay, so in um, 
November 2016, my husband ordained me to be the pastor of Win One in Valencia. Mm-hmm. Again, another step of elevation. I am so grateful and thankful to God for uh, choosing me to be a servant in the kingdom. Um, I decided we would put a, a five-year plan in place before we did any grand openings or any major marketing. So for the last uh, four years, that's what we've been doing. We've been building in the, in, in the city of Valencia, building mm-hmm. win one from ground zero. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited to, to work with an amazing uh, group of people. We've, you know, we've ended up pretty much just building ministry all the way, uh, all the way up. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we've had women conferences. We, you know, because of the pandemic, we haven't, we wasn't able to do it this year, but we, we just start really reaching out to the community this year, this year, uh, November will mark five years of that plan. And we will be having a grand opening for win one this year, in spite of what's going on in the world today. That's the plan. That's the goal. And so, yes, you can reach me on um, YouTube, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. And you just type in win one or win one on, on, on Instagram. It's win one Valencia. And Facebook is win one church. And YouTube is, is win one. Or just type in my name, Deborah Stallworth. And you can find what we're doing on all, all three of those platforms. But I am so grateful and thankful to have met you, uh, Cheryl. I consider you one of my great friends who have also been there for me. Um, uh, that goes just both ways. In, yes, and just being <laughs> so inspiring. So thank you, and I appreciate you. Uh, just for having me. Uh, This is a great year. I'm so excited. Uh, We're kicking off this year taking care of us. We're kicking off this year with um, a a fast mind, body, and spirit fast taking care of you. And so um, that's what it's all about for the next seven weeks. We're just taking care of us and you go on my social media and we posted what that fast looked like. And yeah, if you're listening, try it, try it, try uh, praying for yourself for seven minutes, anything, any, uh, anything that you do, do it for seven minutes, seven days a week for seven weeks straight, uh, breaking uh, old habits and creating new ones. Taking care of it. you. I absolutely love it. Well, I am so excited that you joined us today and you shared with me something that I've never heard about you, but now I understand why God has placed you with such vision for women. And I'm so grateful that you are part of not my, not only my life, but our community. So everyone who is listening today, um, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, we will share Pastor Deborah Stallworth social media information and we'll share information about the fast as well and don't forget to tune in to our Facebook live with our sisterhood coffee chat at three o'clock Los Angeles time 
on Wednesday, six o'clock Eastern Standard Time, Boston time. And Pastor Deborah Stallworth will drop in with us for five minutes and you'll get to see her live. So as we close the show, Pastor Deborah or Lady, as we affectionately call her in Valencia, California. When we close the show, we ask every unshakable woman who has shared their story. What did you speak over yourself and over your life when you got up this morning and you put your two feet on the floor? What what is that word that resonated with you either when you when you started prayer, when you started your morning, when you stepped out of bed? Give me that one word that resonates in your spirit today and moving forward and starting the new year. Safe. I'm safe. Mm, yes. In the middle of a pandemic, that's an amazing word to start with. We thank you for being with us today, and we look forward to seeing you on our Facebook Live. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Don't forget to follow our guest on all her social media platforms. If you're in the Santa Clarita area or Northern Los Angeles County, come up and visit Win-Win. Thank you very much for joining us. We will see you next week. Share the podcast, subscribe, like, and follow our guests. Thank you again so much, Pastor Deborah Stallworth. We love you and be encouraged. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for tuning into our show today. You have many podcasts to choose from, and we are so very grateful that you chose to tune into our wonderful sisterhood of Unshakable Women. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Unshakable Woman. If you want to call in and share your story, visit our social platforms on how to contact our team. A special thanks to our in-kind sponsors, Classic Public Relations, a Los Angeles public relations firm building your business brands, and music on the podcast titled More and More, written by Paul D. Hanna. Build your sisterhood tribe and live an unshakable life. We'll see you next week.
joyful noise Serve you all my days There is none like you No one can do what you do Strong and mighty Lord No one compares to you Getting the best of me, I'm getting fed up How can I give you more when I'm feeling so empty? Look in the mirror, the man I see, he doesn't look like me Man, I'm really going through, my thoughts are everywhere My mind about to explode, this is more than I can bear But wait, I know my options, why am I opting now? My contract's guaranteed, he promised he'll meet all my needs So, there's nothing else to do but give you more of me So I can give you more of you, yeah Give you more of me so I get more of you Give you more of me so I 